Hey guys, what's going on? Evan Transu, <laughs> aka Health Coach Ev here. Welcome to the Overcoming Mental Health Challenges podcast. I'm super excited to be back on here with an actual interview. I know it's been a few weeks. We had some uh, technical difficulties with uh, one person and then you know we have the holidays and things like that. So I really can't tell everyone how much I appreciate people still uh, bearing with us here and, and sticking around. Um, and it's cool because you know I did a completely different type of podcast the last two weeks and people were responding to that as well. So it's kind of cool to know that um, even if I don't have an interviewee set up perfectly that week, it is still worth it and still helpful to people if I hop on and kind of just talk about um, some stuff that's a little different than, you know, the stuff that we talk about in the interviews. But nonetheless, super excited because we're back again. And I think these are um, definitely, if nothing else, the more powerful of the two types of podcasts that we have going on here. And, um, you know, since I haven't said it in a few weeks now, guys, I just want to be clear, you know, what we're doing here is, is we're interviewing real young adults who have uh, real stories with mental health issues and real resolutions. And what those resolutions mean, it does not mean this person is living some perfect life completely free of mental health issues. What it means is that they've been able to go from, you know, point X to point Y. They have said, OK, you know what, I've definitely gotten a little better or a little more control or a better hand on this stuff. And I feel like it's enough that I want to share that with other people. Cause I think it might be able to help someone else out there. And guys, if nothing else, just hearing these stories, um, sometimes ourselves, I think that's super powerful and super healing in and of itself. It's healing for the person that's getting to share their story. Right. Um, and it's also healing for the rest of us that, you know, can hear a specific person. And you guys will note that I have, completely different types of stories uh, come on these things each week. And the reason I try to do that is because, you know, Susie might listen to one and say, oh my gosh, that sounds so much like me and what I went through. And Billy might listen to another one and say, wow, you know what? Um, I like these other ones, but this is the one that I can really relate to most. I had no idea anyone else felt like that. That's exactly how I feel. So I like the diversity to just get as many people on here um, as possible that can relate uh, to other people. And then um, last but not least, especially if this is your first time tuning in, guys, uh, these are not necessarily, um, maybe sometimes in the future it will be, but these are not necessarily uh, some type of professional uh, speaker or counselor or therapist. These are people who are, if I may say, I mean, pretty freaking brave. Uh, these are people that might have not ever shared their story publicly about mental health issues before. These are people that might never share their story again about mental health issues. And, you know, for one reason or another, they felt in their heart that they should get on here and do something like that. And I have a huge amount of respect um, for those types of people. So my point in saying that is if you're looking for some perfect um, punctuation, perfect times, uh, wording speech, this is probably not going to be the place for you. But if you're looking for a real human being that is genuinely just trying to help others, then, uh, you're definitely in the right place. So um, enough about all that. I want to just uh, jump right into it um, now that that's all kind of out of the way. But my guest today, this is actually someone I've known for a really long time. Um, it's kind of cool how this stuff's happening. I'm really glad um, he was willing to do this because this is a totally um, unique dude, totally himself. And I love that about him. Um, it is someone that actually worked in my family's restaurant. And I remember one time uh, we were working together uh, a couple of years ago, a few years ago. And when you're working together, we were working, um, we were dishwashing in the back for my parents. And I remember being back there and you got like an eight, nine, 10 hour day uh, with that person that you're working back there with. And, you know, you might BS a little bit for the first hour and then eventually, you know, something 
um, of more substance is going to come out. And I just remember uh, this guy sharing a lot about, you know, some of the stuff that he went through um, and that some of the stuff that I went through and we just uh, connected on that level. We're like, damn, like, you know, completely um, different stories, but very similar types of feelings and, and experiences in terms of the mental health stuff. So I'm glad to have him here. His name's Kevin Jordan. Um, Kevin, are you there, my man? Yeah, I'm here. Happy awesome. to be here. Awesome, man. Great. We're happy to have you. So um, if you've uh, heard some of the other podcasts, you know, uh, the first thing I always ask just to kind of give um, a little context. And this is, you know, mostly focusing on the good stuff. But uh, what was what was Kevin like as a kid? You know and when I'm saying? Kid, I'm talking like, you know, five, ten years old. Like, what, what were you like back then? Um, well, like when I was, uh, like real young, you know, like I noted some like obvious differences between me and most of the guys and stuff in the neighborhood, like, um, growing up, like, you know, kids would be wanting to be out playing sports and I would kind of be like in playing like with Barbies with like girls and stuff. And like, you know, I always try to like, as I grew up, I realized like that wasn't necessarily the norm and I didn't really want to be like that outcast in society. And I also grew up with three brothers. So, um, the masculinity kind of runs in the house. Like I'm always around a bunch of guys, but, um, growing up, like I didn't really know any better. Like, and you know, as a kid, it was kind of unfiltered, but as I grew up, it kind of like became more of a, uh, filtered point of my life is that I was kind of like, you know, trying to like not necessarily be a person I wasn't. I was just trying to like more so fit in with like everyone else and like be normal. And I didn't really even know at that point what was going on because like sexuality is like totally um it's a roller coaster. Like you definitely like I feel like almost never fully know like where you identify because it's always like kind of moving around. But as I like grew up, you know, throughout grade school, obviously I was um pretty popular kid. And then when I went to middle school, I was like popular in terms of I've had so many different friend groups, so many different friends, so many different people in my life. And it was very diverse. But ultimately, I feel like pretty confident in saying I was able to connect with like a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds. I was always the ones at the parties. And my friend group was always the one, you know, like, getting together on the weekends, even from a very young age, I remember, like, kids weren't necessarily able to go out and like, hang out with their friends because I like I remember asking people like yo you want to go to the movies this weekend and they would be like oh like I got to bring my parents and I would be like oh like all right but (laughs) like but I like eventually found my niche and found like a group of people who were able to like go out and do these things that I wanted to do and you know from there kind of progressed and I like um ended up having like a lot of different friends you know yeah sure okay so this is kind of um at least in terms of the people I've talked to so far this is actually pretty unique in that um you did know from a pretty young age like there was already something going on it might not have been as severe maybe as later on but there was some like clear kind of difference that did absolutely like affect the stuff with mental health yes absolutely because I kind of like even like I always played sports so you could probably not name a sport I hadn't played except for football and like maybe rugby um hockey was my niche but I mean, like, especially when I would, like, play sports, it was very obvious to me, like, I wasn't like a lot of the other dudes on the team, you know, I wasn't, like, that was where I, like, found, it was, it was getting hard for me to find a niche in these groups that I was, like, surrounding myself with, Yeah, and that's where I would say, like, the first time, like, I ever really noticed anything mentally, you know what I mean? Okay, sure, so, well, yeah, that actually, I always, um, kind of my next question is, you know, when and how did the issues with mental health begin, so when... I mean, obviously, I know 
uh, you're alluding to, um, you know, different things with sexuality and stuff like that. For the people that don't know you, can you just be like a little clear, like what, what is it um, that you were noticing? And, you know, how did you kind of figure out that, you know, you are who you are? Yeah. Um, so it was kind of like more of a subconscious issue with myself growing up. It was kind of like a battle between me and myself. Um, I didn't necessarily know, I would say, that I was gay until I never really like even self-proclaimed that for myself until I was in around maybe seventh or eighth grade. And I was still very uncomfortable with that concept. But I mean, I am a cisgendered male who um, identifies as homosexual at this point. Now being in college, it'll be my junior year next year. I can comfortably mm-hmm. say that that is what it is. But what I was noticing was like, um, a lot of guys, you know, like they get together and they, they would like, you know, shoot the shit over like how hot this girl is. And, you know, like, and I would be there and like, not necessarily as masculine, like they would get together and continue playing sports even after we were done playing sports. And it was like, I just kind of wanted to go and just like chill out. And like, my vibe was definitely um, very different from like most kids. Um, I feel like a lot of uh, guys are very centered around like, you know, physical um, activities and sports and things like that. And that was definitely where like, I realized like I wasn't really fitting in too much with like, a lot of like your mainstream, you know, masculine dudes. And that's, like, kind of where I was, like, forced to branch out and find my own niche, which I'm very happy to say I definitely did. I have some amazing friends of nice. all sorts of backgrounds who I fit in with. But yeah. For sure. So what – well, first of all, kind of on a side note, just because – especially this is uh, the first time someone's been on the podcast who has – again, because I love the diversity. Because this stuff doesn't discriminate, and it can happen in so many different ways. Um, like on a side note, like what would you recommend if you could go back to, you know, five, 10 year old Kevin um, for someone out there listening, God forbid they are young and, and going through something like that. What is there something that you would change back then? And is there like someone you would have talked to first or would you have been like more open to exploring what was going on um, with your sexuality? Like what would you tell yourself back then that maybe you because you said, you know, seventh, eighth grade um, is when, hey, OK, I kind of realized this is what it was. Um, I know for myself, um, you know, being straight myself, I mean, I knew I was interested in girls and <laughs> probably six, seven years old. So for the person back then that is maybe like uncomfortable or not realizing or realizing, excuse me, that they're not like everyone else, what would your advice be to someone like that? Well, the most eye-opening experience I ever had was uh, probably when I was in eighth grade, we had a new kid come to our school and he um, was, uh, he, he was like kind of, you know, Um, He had a stepbrother who we all knew and everything, and he was out and open, and he was just so different. And for a while, like, we all kind of, like, he wasn't really, like, you know, we weren't, like, too embracing. His, like, differences were honestly so, like, huge, Um, just, like, totally a different person, like, punk rock and, you know, everything. And honestly, (laughs) kind of hard to, like, you know, say it, but, like, we didn't really give the kid the time of day. And then at the end of the year, literally all it took was one year. And I remember... um, when we all started, like, when we, like, first entered into our party phase as kids, he was one of the first ones that was already partying. So that's kind of when he came around. And at that point, it wasn't, you know, a matter of, like, this person's different or not. It's, like, we were all doing the same types of things, wanting to, like, you know, go out and experience the same type of things. So, like, all differences aside, we were hanging out. And that was the most eye-opening experience for me, like, being around somebody who was openly homosexual or bisexual, as he claimed. And, um that was definitely like one of the biggest things so going back in time i wish i could have you know even sped that up a little bit and been less concerned 
with how society views me and like feeling like I was like upholding these like societal norms and standards, I would have, you know, probably done like choir and things like that more early on and become more heavily involved in things like um, I wouldn't have thought to because I was more, you know, like concerned with how other people were viewing me. I didn't really step out of the comfort zone and like do anything too crazy until I got you know, later in life when it was like I was in high school and doing that kind of stuff. But I would have definitely explored and like done different, um, you know, activities and stuff and just like tried to indulge into as much diversity as possible as like at, in an early on age rather than sure. waiting. Okay, cool, cool. That's awesome. Um, and yeah, that's so interesting how, well, first of all, I think society, you know, not that we don't have plenty of work to do, <laughs> but I think in many ways, if we look historically at so many of these issues, whether it is um, stuff like you're talking about or just mental health issues in general, let's look at, you know, 300 years ago and how these things were treated. And I think we are in the best place now. I think we're making rapid progress. So I'm really excited about that. Um, but that's just it's really funny to hear you say the choir thing, because, um, you know, I was in choir all through middle and high school. And it's weird how society can put those things in our head because. To me, like, I would have never even, until you just said that, I would have even never even have, uh, thought twice about that. Like, I would have never thought that to be, like, you know, something that, quote-unquote, normal uh, guys didn't do. But, yeah, these, the, we let society, unfortunately, kind of um, impose its rules upon us. Um, and we all interpret those things differently. That's the worst part, right? So, like, we all have these little things in our head that we think we can or can't do. Um, and I am always constantly still uh, trying to, I don't want to say fight that, but... I'm always trying to be conscious when I'm making decisions or when I'm doing things, you know, am I doing this for myself or am I doing this for other people that probably don't even care about what I'm doing? Right. And I'm yeah. always trying to live my life with as much as possible. Okay. I'm no, I'm doing this for me because this is what Evan Trantu wants to do. This is what makes me happy. So um, I'm assuming, um, you know, but for the people out there just being specific, like, did this cause, I mean, would you call it anxiety, depression? Like what were some of the specific things that this led to, um, in terms of the mental health stuff? Um, it was definitely, um, well, my, like, um, mental health history, like, the first time I ever really had to take a step back and say, like, whoa, what was that? I was actually running for um, class president back in eighth grade, which is a funny story in and of itself. But um, <laughs> when I, like, was giving my speech to the school, it was, through, it was through television. It wasn't like I was giving, like, it to an open audience or anything but I definitely um, was reading the paper. Things became very blurred and I had to physically like remove myself from what I was doing. I remember I froze, I paused, I looked directly at the camera and I said, Oh shit, I never realized I had stage fright. And then I like went back, um, buckled down, really just like focused in on the words and just like read word for word. I was definitely like, you know, like merging words together and not making clear sense. But it was the first time I ever experienced anxiety on any sort of level. And it was like the first, well, I guess the first notable time because I had to physically withdraw myself from what I was doing to like acknowledge that that was going on for me. And cool. that was definitely what got the ball rolling. And, um, but yeah, like um, in terms of the gay thing, like I think now as an older person, that definitely um, contributes a lot to like my anxiety. I definitely always weighed in a lot on what other people thought and didn't really care as much as to like what I wanted to do and things like that. I was kind of like living a lie. So like when you like are like living your life like that and like um, all of a sudden you're like not and you like go back and you look at that and you, I mean, yeah, like it definitely 
contributed to a lot of my issues that I like now recognize as an adult um, in different ways. It wasn't necessarily like, you know, it was my thoughts behind every action was let me act as straight as possible and all that. But um, just like, you know, I wasn't definitely living my most authentic life as I am right now. Okay, gotcha. And um, that's crazy about that is what a not good time to uh, realize you have stage fright when you're doing that for the class president thing. Holy cow. Like that's gotta, that'll get you a little bit, but did you like, were you able to pull it off? Like, did you pull off the rest of the thing? Yeah. Well, I actually, like I said, I was like pretty popular growing up. So like, it was honestly more of a popularity contest than anything. Cause you know, like you're going to get the m- most votes if you like talk to the most people. So not even to sound cocky. I just kind of like thought already in my head, like I had it in the bag and definitely that like was funny and a notable thing that was happening versus everyone who kind of just blended in. Um, sure. Like I definitely stuck out to like people who didn't know anyone and that definitely acquired votes that I wasn't going to have, but um, okay. I did, cool. I ended up winning and I mean, nice. I was, <laughs> I was president for four days and then I got impeached cause I, um, was like definitely like um embarrassed about it and i did send out a tweet that was uh pretty profane and uh the school caught wind of my tweet and i uh, <laughs> went in four days later and i got impeached from my uh, class presidency damn dude i never knew that one <laughs> yeah okay classic. all right <laughs> um all right moving on then um <laughs> what was uh we we talked, you know, you said, okay, well, that was maybe one of the first times, obviously, there was anxiety associated with, um, you know, living this. Oh, that's something else I wanted to mention, distracting with that four day impeachment thing. That's pretty funny. Um, I don't think I've ever met anyone that's gotten impeached from class president. But yeah, uh, actually, I was the first one they had told me that. And then uh, it's, it's funny. Congratulations, right? The second person actually was gay, too. And we actually ended up being great friends. He uh, okay. <laughs> or something but yeah i was the actual first person in the school district to have been impeached (laughs) all right that's awesome um but one of the things when you said like you know living uh you know authentically now and things like that um obviously this is as of right now this podcast is a very local and very tied to you know bucks county so i'm not gonna list any names here or stuff like that but i know someone who you know came out and this was after a while and when they did that, I would say it took a few more months, maybe even a year. It was like I was talking to a completely different version of the person afterwards. And I mean that in the best way possible. It was, I don't know how else to describe it. It was like looking at someone who had all this weight just lifted from them. And I mean that like, you know, figuratively, not literally. Yeah. Like just lifted off them. They were just, they're lighter. Like it was like, I'm talking to the real person. I'm talking to, you know, the actual, um, you know, X, Y, Z name. I'm like, that is, that's so powerful. I think to just have that final moment because, you know, we see this stuff and, and it gets put online a lot of times now, you know, a kid or adult uh, coming out, but that's like a huge transitional moment for people that are going through this stuff. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, you're, you're starting kind of a new version of your life. And I think that's really um, cool. And I think for the people listening, I mean, um, would you totally recommend doing that? as kind of quickly as possible and just, I mean, I know that's gotta be tough, but would the sooner, uh, you know, be better than later with something like that? Um, I think, you know, that is like to each your own, um, and wherever and whenever you feel comfortable, I think some people definitely, um, feel like uncomfortable with the concept of that for a while. And it definitely takes a while for a lot of people to like really 
like I like even for instance like I know somebody who's a married man and has children and everything and you know like he didn't come out until he was like in his 40s and still like hasn't he's like you know not anything like that and it it is a it's it's a you versus you battle it's it depends whenever you feel kind of comfortable but for me when people started finding out like the first time I had ever physically told anybody I told um and I actually I was like kind of weird because like I always thought I liked girls too like in seventh grade I remember like I loved my one friend ninth grade I loved another one 10th grade I really liked this girl and I like um it was on a mental level more so than anything but I ended up okay. like, you know, telling her like yeah like um this is what it is you know I'm like I'm definitely bi I'm definitely like um experimenting and like I don't really know where I fall but after telling her like yeah it was kind of a weight lifted off your feel off your chest kind of feeling and um from there it just kind of you know spread like I was just telling people because you know you tell one person you gain confidence you tell another person whatever so then I ended up you know my whole friend group found out I kind of kept it like low-key I didn't really want to be judged for it I see like you know a lot of gay guys get like um you know like judgment and stuff like even my little brothers will say like yeah there's like a gay kid in our grade and like you know, when he walks around the halls, it's almost like as if everyone, like, clears paths for him. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, sure, sure, sure. It's total shame. But um, I honestly would have come out earlier. I think it would have been more for my benefit than anything because, um, you know, even, like, in college, like, I really noticed, like, damn, like, I-, I just feel like a lot of these people I've been surrounding myself with are just not the people I wish I should have been or, like, the people I wish I was. You know what I mean? Like, right. um, when I was in college – I uh, I was still living, you know, like that, like the life I wanted to live, essentially. Like I just wanted nothing in my life to change. I wanted to keep having the friends I had. I, I just wanted to be like, you know, living true to myself at least and being able to like be open about that. And when I was in high school, being gay was not hard. Like people loved me and it was very easy. And a lot of people knew me and I was always out at every party and very just a social guy. And I never had any issues with it. But when I went to college, I was, you know, like, not really thinking. I never had experienced discrimination. I never really knew that that was an issue in 2019. I felt very blind to it because people were very, very welcoming to me being that way, growing up in, like, high school and everything when I, after I had come out. Um, but when I went to college, I was still kind of, um, you know, like I said, living, like, um, how I, like, thought I wanted to be living. And I, all my friends were doing frats and sororities and everything. And I just wanted to be a part of that. I wanted to be, you know, my brother's in a frat. I saw him. I would go up and visit him. It was a very fun time. A lot of the guys were close, a lot of cool people. You meet so many people, especially when you come into such a huge community. It's kind of hard to, like, dumb it down that quick and, like, get your niche. Like, so I thought that that would be the path that I would want to do. And I did end up going that path. And um, I did end up, like, pledging a fraternity. And then halfway through, um, they had a drop period. And I was honestly shocked when I found out that I was going to be the one dropped. And there was a kid who was in my pledge class that was one of my, like, good boys. Um, We got, like, close to the whole pledging thing and everything. And we also, like, went way back. I knew him since we were in middle school. He went, you know, to, like, a bunch of different schools that I was in. And um, when I got dropped, I had gone home. And I thought it was because of – my like injuries like preventing me from doing like physical work around the house but uh and I left it honestly at that I was like okay with it and everything and you know it is what it is if you're gonna get dropped you're gonna get dropped it's not the end of the world there's always more fraternities and people to socialize with but when I went um 
I went out later that night to my friends, and I was on a phone call with my one friend, Lily. Sorry, I don't know if I should say names or not, but I was... Oh, you're cool. A, I mean, yeah, you're cool. You're I was cool. on a phone call with my one friend, and uh, she had gotten another call coming in from my frat bro, like from my pledge bro. And so we added him to the call, and we did a three-way call, and that's when he um, he started explaining that, like, in his experience, like, during multiple interviews and stuff, he was being asked about my sexuality and um a lot of the kids at school like the ones that people would see me without at parties were being asked as well it wasn't just him i was never asked directly to my face and i honestly wish i was because i would have given them an answer and i would have said something because i wasn't like you know not out i just like wasn't really writing it on my forehead in like okay sure sure but um yeah so um I ended up finding out that, like, the reason I had been dropped, um, allegedly, was because of my sexuality. So that was definitely a huge point in my life where I had to, it, it like, I literally reconsidered everything I was doing. Like, is this what I want to be doing? Like, I mean, I was having a total existential crisis. And my friends who I was friends with, like, long time, like, um forever and always like you know and other people too like it it was just like you know my me being a presence in their life kind of in a sense and this is where the anxiety really came in and played a mega part like it was just me always looking in like oh my god is it me like these people are having pre-games to go to this frat that i was once pledging and they dropped me for this reason and like that i'm thinking like are they real friends and like it definitely was a lot on me mentally and i like ended up having to a, remove myself from that whole situation completely. Like, um, being around those people was just giving me too much anxiety. I was, like, really, like, overanalyzing and over-evaluating absolutely everything. And I just needed to take a step back and just, like, start from scratch. Like, you know, you have yourself, and you need to know how to be comfortable being with yourself. So, mm-hmm. um, for a while there, like, I, like, honestly... Um, didn't really talk to too, too many people. I held the close ones that I really felt no attachment um, towards, like, the Greek life situation. And, you know, I always had them to turn to, and I always had my family and everything. And my family's always been great with everything, too, by the way. But um, so I, like, um, started from scratch, and I was just, um, you know, just trying to, like, be okay with myself. And it, it took a long, long time. And I didn't want to go on antidepressants. I didn't want to go on anti-anxieties. But I did start seeing a therapist at that point. And, um, you know, and like they like people like to like, you know, press like you should go on meds and stuff. And I don't think there's anything wrong with it necessarily. I know a lot of people sure, whose of life, lives benefit from it. But for me, it became almost like like I just like would go away for the weekend and feel 100 percent perfect. And it was like kind of very situational. Like only when I was down at Temple would I have these crazy anxious feelings. So I like, and I, I go there for um, like free basically because my mom works there. So transferring, yeah, I guess it is technically an option, but it's not a literal option. If you know, if you get school handed to you for free, you take it. So, yeah, and the USA man with the amount it costs here, yeah, you definitely take that, especially at a school like Temple. I'd take that any day. I hear you. Yeah, so I mean, it was like not really an option for me to leave. So I was just kind of bearing with the bad news and everything. And um, now, I can successfully say that, you know, after, you know, going from scratch, I feel like I've acquired the people that I needed to acquire in my life. 
I have a lot more of a gay concentrated friend group. Um, I have a lot of accepting allies as friends, um, people who would honestly advocate for me if something went wrong. Like my big thing is like if I were being attacked in public, when you're the one, you know, being attacked or whatever, like even after I got dropped from the frat, I went out to a party and was called a fag. And like I heard it I'm ta- like all the way across the room. And that was, again, like, earth-shattering. Like, wow, I'm, like, really known as this now. Like, this is, like, what these kids in this group think of me. So, like, mm-hmm. that was where, like, I drew the line and, like, stopped going out with people like that. But um, nobody really did much. And, like, honestly, like, that um, was very, like, tough for me because, like, um, I didn't want to say anything. Because for me, it was, like, I'm one against a million. But when you're in a group like that, nobody usually says anything because they don't want to create a different social norm. But the second that one person makes a comment, it's like the whole bystander effect. Like the second one person does an action and like a situation, like everybody's the whole social norm. Like if one person sticks up, then you have five people sticking up. But if it's just me against the whole team, it's like totally like a battle. You almost don't even want to fight. But now I'd say like I have like a bunch of different friends that um, are just like there and, you know, support me and love me no matter what. And like whatever is going through my head. So that was, like, the biggest anxiety battle and everything that I've had so far was definitely um, becoming okay with myself and, like, having to restart and, like, you know, like, where do you start? And I feel like now I've found my people. Sure. Damn, that's awesome. And that's really, honestly, kind of an interesting um, story with this particular subject of, you know, being gay because I feel like some of the people I've heard from before I, you know, just, you know, friends I have or people I know, the issue was worse in middle and high school and got better in college because they could select, you know, you have more control, I should say, over the groups that you're able to select uh, post, you know, primary school. And, you know, when you're in that college life and stuff and you're in the adult world. Um, so this is really interesting that you kind of went from, OK, I came out and you, and you were totally cool in middle high school. Like, yeah, no, no problem. And then you go to college and you experience that, man. It's just, I mean, that's just such a shame. I don't ever think I know people like that, but I mean, like you just said, I mean, I know people in frats and to think that that's going on and people care that much. It's just, it's yeah. um, kind of crazy to me. I don't know. I guess um, maybe I just got lucky with my family and friends growing up. I've just never been, uh, I'm like more intrigued by differences rather than like, you know, wanting to judge them. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, for I, real, especially in 2019, you know? Right. Like, I'm curious about different cultures. I'm curious about different people. I'm curious about different... I just... That's... I don't know. But um, I think more people are leaning uh, towards, you know, that way that um, you and me are kind of like you're being more accepting of people like that. So I, I have definitely hope for that. And obviously, dude, you're kind of leading the way with that. So that's really cool. Um, so I got to ask, you know, what were... Because, of course, most of us kind of start out with this. I mean, what were some coping mechanisms? And I'm, I'm kind of referring to, like, negative ones um, for these anxieties and this depression and this kind of living a separate life. I mean, what did that look like? Like, what did you do before, you know, the therapist and things like that that maybe didn't work and wasn't so helpful to you? Um, I've always, like I said, I've, I've, you know, said partying a decent amount. But I have always kind of... Um you know, done my fair share, and I drank and smoked heavily and, um, you know, dabbled in other stuff, too, but, um, you know, ultimately, my biggest kryptonite, like, especially after, like, that, I would say, was the biggest notable mental challenge that I've had in my life. Um, After that, it was definitely, 
Uh, I was drinking a lot and um, doing things like that. And also, like, being very destructive towards, like, friendships that I had that I shouldn't have been destructive towards. I, I felt like I was doubting a lot more people. And, you know, I just felt very, very alone and isolated. And I kind of made myself alone and isolated in a sense. And um, I guess that was kind of a more toxic um, coping mechanism because rather than isolating myself, I kind of wished that I had recognized earlier on like that it was my anxiety provoking me to be so you know critical and like towards um people that even were great to me um but yeah that was like probably the most uh self-destructive coping mechanism was cutting people off definitely where i okay. should have been well, um inclusive more towards everyone sure okay um and you had mentioned kind of you you actually hit on like a few great points when uh, you were kind of just telling, you know, the stuff with college there, but just to be like clear, because I like people to hear this. Um, you said, you know, you did end up going to um, therapists, psychiatrists, things like that. Do you remember what that moment was that caused you to make that decision? Cause that's a big jump for a lot of people. And I'm just like curious, like, do you remember the thought? Do you remember the incident? Um, and I know even you may have already mentioned it, but like, just to be clear, like what was that thing that led you say, I'm going to go, to this person for help or whatever for me um my mom has always been like you know the person i can confide in like she absolutely is there through thick and thin the lady loves me she's the best <laughs> person i have encountered in my life as most people would say probably about their moms but you know she reads me like a book and she knows um when things are going wrong and like you know i would talk to her i tell her everything so she, like, noticed, you know, behavioral changes and stuff. And, like, even just, like, myself struggling. And, like, um, I had gone to a therapist before when I was in high school for other reasons. And I didn't like the guy at all. Like, he was – it was just kind of, like, I went in and, like, the stuff I would say, his jaw would hit the floor. And it's just, like, you could read his expression. Like, this dude didn't really have much input. He was kind of, like, talking to a brick wall. And, okay. And that was, like, you know, kind of skewed my perspective on, like, the whole therapy and everything. And um, when I was in college, um, my mom, you know, kind of went on her own venture. I wasn't really, you know, there for it because of my previous bad experience with a therapist. So I was like kind of hold off. And plus it costs money and everything. And like usually that stuff doesn't help. And um, my mom went and through Temple, she found a, a therapist who um, specialized in LGBT um, Q issues. And um, I did go to him for like, the whole semester leading up to summer after I had gotten dropped. So it was like, I went to him for like pretty much like half a semester, maybe even a little more. And I would go to him once or twice a week and I would just talk and he was gay himself. But honestly, I didn't really find too much help in that situation. I don't really find a lot of help coming from other people. Um, like in terms of therapy, I, I it's more of like a self journey for me um, rather than like somebody kind of speaking at me. Like if well, I like, okay kind of had an issue he would uh be more like you know well I'm gay and like I have a husband and I can do this and it's like I get like you know you're living your best life and like you know whatever but like for me it's not like like I see that they're like my uncle's gay too and like he has a very happy life and he's very content with where he's at but right now right here for me it's like no matter what this guy was saying, nothing was, like, helping. It was very, like, I needed to do this on my own. So I stopped going to him. But my mom was the reason that I went to him. Wow. Okay. And I, you know, I appreciate that perspective because that's one of the, um, for me, 
the therapy counselors specifically, I'm not necessarily talking about like psychiatrists, I'm talking about like the counselors specifically, um, is something that I, because I talk about two different types of anxiety and depression, you know, circumstantial versus like kind of non-circumstantial. And um, regardless of the definitions of those, I kind of still always support that being a general thing that anyone can use. Um, so that's very interesting that you kind of have this self um, journey thing. And maybe that, you know, I mean, dude, everyone's different. So that's really cool that that, well, I should say it's cool in the sense that you were able to figure out that that's what um, works best for you. Because just even the last few years, I can kind of, there's certain things, um, especially if you've dealt with similar things yourself, that you know you can tell when someone's like actually progressing and actually getting better. And it's, it's really cool um, to kind of have you on the day. I can just, it, the difference is very obvious and in a good way. Um, so the thing I would say too, just for others listening is, um, especially with the therapy and, and counselors and things like that, Kevin and I, coincidentally, were just talking, this was completely unrelated to mental health stuff, but we were just talking before um, we got on about how, you know, doctors and all these people, guys, they're people too. And there's yeah. good people and there's bad people. And I don't mean necessarily like morally good, morally bad. I just mean, I should say effective or ineffective, right? Um, I have a problem with my foot right now that I've had for the last two years. Some doctors have recommended completely different things for the exact same issues, interpreting the exact same x-rays, things like that. So um, sometimes we do need to jump around a little bit. And other times, maybe it is um, your journey of uh, self and things like that. I am one who can speak to that very um, strongly. I mean, some of these counselors that I was assigned, more or less, I think, were very pivotal in, you know, starting the foundation of progression. But yeah, man, you're right. Like some of the things that have been most beneficial to me was you know, Evan talking to Evan and just figuring this out and saying, Hey, this is kind of what we need to do. Um, so that kind of brings up a good point though. And that's obviously, you know, things might not be perfect, but clearly you have made a, a very significant um, transformation, very significant progression with all this stuff. So could you kind of start walking us through some of the things that have worked for you to kind of get you to where you're at now with everything. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, it gets worse before it gets better. So after, you know, after the frat thing, there was definitely a few months of confusion and, you know, working on yourself. And then I had come home to a support group that I knew was going to support me and it was outside of Temple. So like, I kind of had like, I guess you could say a summer off from those feelings mm -hmm even though it wasn't really because it was always kind of on my mind. Right. But coming back to school this year definitely was what helped a lot. Um, in the beginning half of the year, I was chilling with uh, a bunch of different people that were new to Temple, um, a lot of freshmen, people that weren't there last year. So I didn't really have, like, any reason to, you know, have hard feelings towards these people. There was, like, no previous, you know, disposition or anything. And the way I felt was, you know, fresh. So I was chilling with a lot of new people. That definitely helped. Like having not to go back and like put myself back into those situations, being able to go back and have something else absolutely helped. Um, and that kind of allowed me to grow as a person. And also, you know, was like a time buffer. Like it, it wasn't like I was alone and like felt pressed. Like I needed friends like and I need them right now. Like, no, I had friends and I was still doing things that I loved to do and wanted to do. Um, so I, I was, it kind of like helped me relax a little and also still delve into the temple community as well and like retrieve friends from all over. Um, but expanding, um, expanding my like, um, 
my vision of like who I wanted to be friends with definitely helped. I didn't want to be just friends with frat people. I wanted to be friends with everybody. And a huge thing also that is kind of crazy. I follow around this DJ bass nectar. I, I'm sure I've told you about it before, but um, he has this community of three people who follow him basically to every one of his shows. It's like a lot like grateful dead and how like deadheads would travel for them. Sure, um, sure. <laughs> it's, we are we are base heads, and this guy is very active in like um, you know politics and just all sorts of things. He's a very like liberal guy, and he does a lot of charity work. And there's a lot of different things you can do. You can um, you know um, volunteer for him if you become an ambassador, which is a person who works on his team. And um, the whole community is just so embracing and loving, and it is so diverse. It's crazy, but I kind of you know, full sent the whole bass nectar thing, like rather than, you know, full sending like the frat thing, like it became more of like my life centered around music and music events, because that was where I was now beginning to feel happy. So I feel like when you're down and like, you're trying to make a comeback, definitely focus on what does make you happy. Like I knew that no matter what was happening, everything was on pause when I went to a music festival. So I kind of full sent it, even though it's a lot of money, um, the more I'm there, the more connections I make, which allows for me to do other things, even like, you know, hopefully potentially I'll be able to find a job or something, or even start my own business in something that revolves around like music festivals and going to those, because that is like my true niche. Like that is where I absolutely felt happy. So that was, um, always giving me something to look forward to. So that was definitely a positive coping mechanism. And then also keeping yourself busy in general. Like even a lot, this school year, I, you know, I tried to give myself a lot of time for myself to just like, you know, sit and think. And like um, it was good and it was definitely positive um, for a while. And then after a decent amount, it was like, all right, like I feel like now I need to do something to like always have me like um, active. And so I got a job and the job definitely has helped. Like, um, you know, you work all day, you come home at night, you're kind of too tired to be worried about other things. Like, so I would say the three like biggest things for me is like, um, maintain a support group, um, do whatever truly makes you happy and run with it, make it your biggest priority. And three, keep yourself busy, get a job, you know, do extracurriculars, do things where you like are forced to be um, communicating with other humans that you honestly would probably never communicate with because those fresh perspectives and everything and like, you know, growing your support group, that is what makes everything better in the long run. That, that's, that's awesome. I love the thing that is just continuously um, dumbfounding to me is how different these stories are and yet how many overlapping concepts there are in the resolutions you know, the getting around good people, the kind of following who you are, things like that. You know what I mean? I mean, it's really, it's really cool. And I think our generation is focusing on a huge push in that direction. But there's people that, you know, talk about it, know about it. And there's people that are actually out there like doing it. And um, that's just cool, man. I know that that takes, you know, kind of a lot of courage to say, you know, this one I'm going to do. And I'm just going to do my thing. And, and I hope things are going to work out. And it seems like that's the case. Um, I also, I don't know if you realize this, I think, um, just for people listening, you also seem to have a very high level of self-awareness. And I think people trying to grow and foster that self-awareness is kind of huge because you're literally just saying like, 
you know, you can identify, okay, when this is working and when this isn't. And it sounds so simple, but there's been so many times even in my own life um, that I can relate to this where like, I wasn't paying attention to what wasn't or what was working at all. Like it takes a little level of self-awareness. So um, I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot with this question because this isn't normally something I ask people, but um, assuming you realize that you are pretty self-aware, do you have any tips for people to kind of raise their own self-awareness and like look at themselves like truly and clearly without judgment? <laughs> Honestly, um, the self-awareness, like I, I guess like I've, always kind of been self-aware like even throughout all of these phases of like you know um mind experimentation and you know just like trying to figure out who I am as a person I've always kind of been self-aware in a sense and I also kind of feel like that self-awareness might even come a little bit from like the anxiety itself in a sense if that sounds kind of weird or not but like I feel like um you know like I like read people very good and I can also like feel how people feel towards me and I, I don't know what it is. I, I honestly couldn't really give any advice on how to be like self-aware. It's just, I, I just don't even notice it. I guess I didn't notice it until you even pointed it out just there. <laughs> no worries. All right. Yeah. It was worth asking. So um, that's a, that's a pretty uh, great podcast right there. If you ask me, I think that's pretty good, but if you've listened um, then you guys always know I finish and end um, with the exact same questions every single time. So Kev, what would be, um, or assuming, you know, if you have anything else you'd like to get out to, that's, that's fine as well, that I didn't cover. But what would be your one message, you know, if the people listening can only hear this one next thing that you were about to say, um, instead of the whole podcast, what is the one thing you would want people to know in regards to, you know, helping themselves with these types of issues? And this could be just to the queer community. It could be to anyone. Um, just know, like, um, everybody, like, kind of has their phase. Um, and it might be a few phases. It might just be one. But at some point or other, everybody gets confused in their life. You are never alone. You always have people. And that is what kind of sets you apart. If you're, like, living this life that, you know, with no struggles, like, you never really have the chance to grow. Your struggles and overcoming them are what is actually going to make you grow as a person. So don't ever think of it as a bad thing. Think of it more as a learning thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's awesome. All right, Kev, just in case, do you have anything else um, that we didn't cover or do you think that this is kind of good? Cause on my end, this is great. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. Honestly, I think we hit it all pretty much. Awesome, man. Now, listen, I mean, I don't know. Um, I know that you're not a lot of the people I've had on, uh, have kind of accounts or stuff or, or business accounts. Do you want to share Instagram or anything like that for people? Like, is this something that you like um, people connecting to you with, or is that something we're just going to keep private? Um, I don't, I, I mean, I can share it. I honestly don't really care. Most people know um, at this point, like my issues and stuff. So sure. I'm pretty comfortable sharing it. I can definitely give you a shout out. If you want to put me in a link too, that's fine. Um, Absolutely, man. So yeah, where can these people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at, um, at KVN underscore JRDN. It's literally just my name without vowels. Um, okay. Very Kevin thing. Yes. Yeah. And uh, Twitter, I honestly, that's nothing professional. That's just like my, that's my like diary. If you must follow, it's at KVJRDN. So just Kev Jordan without vowels, no spaces or underscores. Actually, wait, no, it's not. I just changed it. Hold on. <laughs> 
I think it's um I changed it for like work purposes and everything because I kind of go unfiltered on there. But um, <laughs> it's I'm, at I'm God bless XOXOX. Got it. <laughs> All right, man. So guys, listen. Um, if you want, you know, go give um, you know, Kev a shout out or follow. Or just you know, I like to always encourage people. Um, shoot our people that are coming on here a message and just you know give them a thank you if this was able to help you or if this is something that you could relate to um something you were able to find clarity for your own stuff with um it just it, it takes a lot to come do this and you know i don't pay these guys uh they're not doing it for anything kev doesn't have any kind of business that he's advertising he literally came on here um for the sole reason of just kind of helping and supporting other people um, with the stuff he's been through and i think that's about the coolest thing uh, someone can do so that's awesome um, guys, my name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev. You've been listening to the Overcoming Mental Health Challenges podcast. Uh, we will see you guys next week. Thank you so much for listening.